Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. Today we're with Nikki Tiffany of the Territory Ballroom in Council Grove, Kansas, where she's sharing about her hopes and dreams for this business and building when the doors open just a few short weeks from now. Plus the big transition that's happened in downtown Council Grove in a short amount of time and how this has become a great destination and why she wants to give people the opportunity to move back home and how the ballroom is going to play a role in that. We recorded this a few months back when they were still in the middle of construction and now are bringing this to you right before the ballroom's official grand opening, which I'm really excited for you to learn more about. So here we go with Nikki Tiffany. All right, well, we're here with Nikki Tiffany of the Territory Ballroom in Council Grove, Kansas. Nikki, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This has been a long time coming. Yes, it has. We've been talking about this for a while. And <laughs> that is true. You've been making a lot of progress on your project with the ballroom. so It's um, been a journey, for sure. <laughs> yes, it's been fun to follow along, and it's you're almost there. That's right, yeah. Tell us about you. Are you a native of Council Grove? I'm not, actually. I grew up in Dodge City and met my husband at K-State. We got married and moved south of Kansas City for a couple years and then had the opportunity to come back here to his hometown. That's right. So tell us a little bit about what it was that brought you back. Well, he and his brother had an opportunity to buy into a business that they had grown up in, and it allowed both families to come back home, essentially, and uh, it was it was a no-brainer. It, it just needed to happen, and the timing was right, and we had um, little ones in tow, and everything just uh, was God's timing. Yeah. Funny how that works out, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, so you and your husband are actually in the cattle business. Yes. And that's a big part of what brought you back. Yes. Um, tell us about your family and what life is like running a feedlot. Well, we have five kids now, and so a lot has changed. I would say the same for the feedlot industry. Yes. Uh, Sean and Shane were both uh, first-generation owners, and um, they were not related to the man who sold the business. Okay. So um, they, they didn't have any inheritance in it, is what I'm trying to say. That meant... A lot of hours, a lot of hard work, and um, uh, just a lot of growing. And so with that, I think the industry saw that the two young families um, were great for advocacy, which was also really on the rise in the beef industry uh, in those times. I'm going to say, I think we moved here in 07, and so for the past, you know, 10, 15 years, it's just been... A growth spurt. And Sean and Shane have always had an open door policy. So they enjoy giving tours. They enjoy speaking. They really love sharing what they do. And that really boils over into our family life. So we are not so much involved with the day-to-day feedlot opportunities or activities, but at home, uh, there are still chores to do. So right. <laughs> we joke that they, the guys raise the cattle and we raise the horses and the kids. So the horses are a big part of our hobby. Um, maybe our only hobby <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but um, they play a big role in uh, the competition and, and teaching the kids to ride and, and that kind of thing. So 
We also homeschool, and so that means we are together all the time. Uh, we live about 20 minutes from town, from here in Council Grove, and um, we, we're just very tight, very um, close together. <laughs> yeah, and now you have kind of expanded your horizons. Yes. And so tell us about your journey that led you to the Territory Ballroom. Well, I think that, um, you know, God's really been preparing my heart for that for a long time. I uh, was thinking back to just from the time I left Dodge City to go to college until now, every step along the way has prepared me to hosting big events and helping to put on weddings and, you know, encouraging other women to work from home, but not at home, and, and do the things that the ballroom will help facilitate. But I think that my time um, helping to coach the women's equestrian team at K-State really prepared me for logistics. I think being a stay-at-home mom for so long helped me learn how to be self-reliant and organized, where... <clears throat> Maybe I'm not all the time, but <laughs> I've got to, um, you know, be responsible and, and accountable to myself and to the family that way. And so um, I would say that 2020 played a huge role in defining what those priorities really were. And I, I think that the vision for the ballroom really came together at the same time that the building became available. And so to me, gathering together was critical to be able to have a place to grow and gather together and become more involved in our community when we're so far apart. Um, as a family, anyhow, living out of town and homeschooling, we just wanted to be able to bring those values to a specific location, I think. Yeah, and what's so interesting about that is COVID just magnified the need for yes. that. And so yes. the timing really was incredible. It all really boiled together. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's grown and, and developed, but I think that um, having the beauty of being at home with the family, with the kids, allows me to help want that for my community too. Yeah. I'm not sure if that translates, but it's definitely a, a priority of mine. Absolutely. Share a little bit about the history of this building. Well, there are two sister buildings that share a common hallway upstairs. And the East building was built in 1863 and the West building was built in 1872. The unifying facade was put on in 84. And for the most part, they've really been retail um, spaces. I think there were probably some apartments upstairs uh, post-World War II, uh, maybe even during that time. Uh, not entirely sure, but I believe the newspaper operated up here uh, in the early beginning at some point. And it was the post office until the new building was built I think in 1935, or maybe in the 50s. Yeah. And so it served a couple different purposes, but primarily retail, um, merchant store. There is a story that um, Charles Goodnight came through 
and bought, I want to say it was like $50,000. It's documented uh, in the, the record book, but um, spent a fortune getting ready for another trip down the trail. Somehow. Wow. What he was doing over here, I'm not exactly sure, but it, um, it has been uh, recorded there. And um, I know that there's some other famous people that are noted to be seen here as well. But some pretty great they're probably history. all throughout the buildings downtown. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so we'll get into that a little bit later, but your town was part of the Santa Fe Trail and yes. has incredible history. So Absolutely, yes. We're now sitting in what will be your office. Yes. Take us through what this renovation process has been like. So you purchased the buildings. Maybe share your vision for what sure. you wanted this space to be and, and how you've gone after that. So a um, few years, probably five years before the building um, became available, we were attending an event um, in eastern Kansas, and it was a historical building on their town square that had been renovated into an event center. It was gorgeous and still very old, very creaky, um, but functioning and, and beautiful. So that got my wheels turning on real estate. But like I mentioned, I always have enjoyed gathering people um, and feeding or you know, having food together, doing something together. We love dancing. And so um, that combined with me wanting to branch out into marketing and doing some more for different clients in the advocacy world for agriculture um, allowed me to realize that we could have a space where people could work too. So that vision kind of became clear as the building became available. We purchased in, I think, September of 2020. And um, I think it was maybe that afternoon we started ripping up carpet. Wow. It was um, very quick to, uh, you know, get started, but that's been a while ago. Yeah. And so it has been a long journey. It's taken time. We've learned an awful lot about um, really how local and state government work and how to be involved in the changes that will positively affect, you know, growing businesses or redevelopment and, and things of that nature in our rural communities that might, I, I would never have known otherwise. Um, we also initiated um, our contractor, K Construction, and they've been amazing um, to really learn alongside with and realize that as much as Sean and I are really a DIY couple, we've renovated our own home by ourselves, we've you know, done so many things on our own, this was not gonna be that kind of project. <laughs> it did require actual planning and, and um, drawing, and uh, we have a, an architect, Ben Moore, uh, who has been he was great from the get-go and had some experience with different co-working venues that served as, um, you know, event centers as well. And so he helped really say, okay, I think you're going to want this. I think you might need, you know, a little extra space here. So he helped with the vision and the, the layout for sure. And then 
Um, that winter, Sean and, and several other volunteers and, and guys from the crew um, basically hand dug the basement oh back out, <laughs> which had been flooded multiple times from the Neosha River, river and um, that was an incredibly dirty and tedious process, but wow. it exposed an awful lot too. So we found that we've had to replace the flooring and what we needed to do with the different roof systems that had been added on to. So, you know, as you get into the project, you find out what really has to be done <laughs> and how much that timeline gets extended and extended and extended. But um, in all honesty, I think it's a bit like being pregnant. It feels like forever, but it's gone kind of fast. Yeah. It, it's both. You're almost there. That's right. Yes. It's coming close. <laughs> so like about two months out, roughly. Yes. That's, that's definitely the hope and the goal. So we are excited to see. I mean, I'm so impressed with what you've done so far. Thank you. And I can't wait to see the finished product. It's really amazing. And just to help paint a picture for our listeners, I mean, this is a big space. It is. We're just under 10,000 square feet yeah. altogether, um, two levels, and then, of course, the unfinished basement. But it is big. Yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> it's no small undertaking. No. <laughs> no. What are your hopes and dreams for this building, this business, once you open your doors? You know, I really, um, I want to give people the opportunity to move back home. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, to me, is, a, a, I didn't realize that at the time when mm -hmm. we moved back home, essentially, but um, the support the freedom, the security that you have in a rural community can't be beat. You can't recreate that anywhere. And so with that, you have to have the opportunity to work, um, commuting, um, traveling. I, I've done that. It's not sustainable. Right. In a, you know, not when you're building a family, perhaps, or wanting to put down those roots. And so to me, if I can offer a space that will let um, anybody work from wherever they need to, however they need to, or have a professional environment to host a little meeting or a gathering on a, a work-type level, that's huge to me. And then I work hard and we play hard. Yeah. And so I want a space that will do both. Yeah. I want to be able to open the doors and have a dance or a wine tasting or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, I want people to be excited to have their friends and family from across the country come back and celebrate their weddings together and have an indoor space that's big enough and beautiful enough to do that with. Yeah. Because so. why not here? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you got the building September 2020. Council Grove, the downtown area, has actually changed a lot since that time. And it that has. wasn't that long ago. No. I mean, in the scheme of things. So right. it kind of feels like it was a long time ago because we've been <laughs> right. through a lot since then. But, yeah. Um, talk about that transition that your town has gone through and is continuing to go through. You know, it's, it's really been wild. 
I think that a lot comes into play. So uh, generationally, we have a switch coming through or a change in um, ownership of these buildings. A lot of the businesses downtown were in a position or ready to retire. And so um, a lot has become available as far as real estate goes. And I think COVID played a huge role in understanding that um, there's still opportunity. You know, things were shut down, but it gave people a chance maybe to uh, reimagine, re-envision, and get a game plan together. And we have businesses popping up all over. Uh, We have buildings that have been falling down that are now new essentially you know there the brewery is amazing um I always wondered if it was gonna fall off into the river and now (laughs) you can sit out on the patio and watch the river it's amazing um so many other businesses are in the same situation where you know the renovations are taking place and they're getting the upstairs which my goodness the second story of Main Street has been vacant for over 50 years and whether that's a change in the code or the, um, you know, rural revitalization programs that have come along. It's just people are interested in working, staying, shopping, playing, everything downtown again. Small is the new big. Absolutely. And what I love is that you're creating a space where your kids will want to stay here you I know so. there's yeah. opportunity here and they're growing up seeing that absolutely you know and I think that's where the investment pays off that's that's my dream anyway <laughs> yeah I love that you've mentioned to me before that this town has had an entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. going back to its beginnings and yeah we just touched on before also an incredible history with the Santa Fe Trail Tell us more about that. It's really fascinating. Well, I grew up um, not quite on the other end, but as far as Kansas goes, it was kind of the other end of the trail. Um, And I didn't even really know much about Council Grove, which is a little sad. But I understand that the the families and the, the people traveling along the trail could make it from Independence or Kansas City to Council Grove by themselves. There wasn't a lot of danger there, and the route was smooth and and fairly easy. But once I got to Council Grove, it was kind of the last chance, and we have a little stone building called the Last Chance Store. And from here on out, you needed to travel as a group. And so um, the commerce that was here, like I mentioned with Charles Goodnight coming and spending that much money at that time just to get ready, you know, for outfitting his, his crew, uh, is mind-blowing, um, and I certainly don't have all the facts straight, but I know that, you know, wagon train after wagon train left this place, and um, I think something we don't talk a lot about is the people coming back the other way, and so it was a two-way street. It, it definitely had travel going both directions, but um, our main street sits just west of the bridge on the Neosho River, and I think we're still looking at Santa Fe Trail dust here in my office. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a, a dirt street until I think the 20s. Wow. And um, it's uh, always 
been right along the Santa Fe Trail. From here on out, then it deviates a little bit and cuts, I think, both north and south of the highway. But um, it's, it's a big part of what I see today happening again with uh, people wanting to build on that, build on that same spirit. Yeah. You're also positioned sort of in the middle of the Flint mm-hmm. Hills. How would you describe the Flint Hills and this area and what makes it so special? <laughs> well, um, I will say it has grown on me. So <laughs> <laughs> I am one of the, probably the few people who love Southwestern Kansas. Um, it's just in my blood. And I remember coming to college at K-State and I lived on the ninth floor of my dorm and I felt like it was so humid, I was going to (laughs) melt away. (laughs) And that even on the ninth floor, I couldn't see because there were so many trees. Well, now having lived here 20 years, I can so appreciate the Flint Hills. And um, I remember Sean bringing me to Council Grove to meet his parents and saying, oh, you're gonna love it. Let, let's get out of the city and go see the hills and you're gonna love it. And you know, he's really right. It's gorgeous, it's untouched. It's exactly what I imagine it being like 100 years ago. Yeah. And to me, I, I love the connection to the wide open spaces here and out west. Uh-huh. And if I can't, you know, have a little bit of that Dodge City, <laughs> that <laughs> Western Kansas feel for my kids, then at least there's plenty of room for them to run and grow here. So I love it. That's great. What do you love most about Council Grove? I think you have a unique perspective because you didn't grow up here, but it is your home and you're so invested in it. What do I love most? I, I definitely love the people. Um, you know, I... I didn't know how supportive, obviously um, not living in town, this is kind of my first taste of of being uh, downtown here, and there's so many cheerleaders, there's so many people rooting for you, and it's it's surprising still, (laughs) you know, because um, it's contagious and it, it pushes you through those times when you wonder what you're really doing. But the people are really amazing. I love the security. I love the freedom. I love that my kids can run around. And um, somebody's watching (laughs) 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 if I'm swamped here with things. But um, no, it's a great feeling. I love how clean it is. I love how um, my daughter would say aesthetic it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we were talking earlier, we got to hang out with several of the local business owners who we're going to be featuring. Yes. Um, but you talked about this being a destination. You're kind of located between a lot of the cities in Kansas, and you have some opportunity here for people to come and have an experience. Yes. Yeah. I really think that um, it's true in our family, you know, experience over stuff. Absolutely. That, that's what we want to invest in. That's what we are happy to pay for, um, to give our kids an experience or to go somewhere and see something, do something. 
Sean and I are both history lovers, so that is something that um, is unique, you know, for for us. Um, but it is. It's a place that you can come and relax and still have the amenities that you're used to. Um, we have an amazing coffee shop and a new brewery and you know, great restaurants and all kinds of fun things to explore and try. Our river walk is fantastic. Um, and we have so many things on the calendar that I don't think you could ever get bored. So it's definitely an opportunity to come and you know, spend the night, bring the girls, or, you know, go out on the lake. There's just so many options. Yeah. Something, a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. And I, so I've been here like an hour, <laughs> and already I've seen the cutest Airbnb, yeah. several cute shops where you can come and shop. You can even do like a bridal registry. Yes. And now you're going to have this fabulous event venue. So it's a great place for even a bachelorette party. Yes. Or... Yes. you know, coming to celebrate weddings and, and registering here too. So I think that's something I wished I had done more of was to invite my friends and family that as Sean and I were getting married to invite the people that we enjoyed and loved the most to learn about where we were from. And even here, you know, we got married in Dodge City, but um, just taking the time to go look at stuff and, and do things. We, we didn't do that. And I want to be able to provide those experiences for people here. Yeah. I love that you have taken on the role of being an advocate for agriculture. Why is that important? And why does that hit home for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, it really started with the guys, um, being asked to speak and, and do things, um, for different conferences or meetings and and whatnot, but um, it I have an animal science degree and background, and so uh, it was also exciting for me to see that process and learn how to uh, tell our story on Facebook and social media and and whatnot, and that um, there is a face to agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's also a face to um, the women who stay at home and work on the ranch or raise the kids who have so many talents, you know, maybe it's leather working or, you know, baking or whatever it is. Um, I heard a phrase not too long ago that um, really kind of hit home for me and it was, you know, staying at home and I'm going to forget how to say it, but essentially um, you're a working stay at home mom. Think is how she put it, and um, we are. We're all working at something. We're doing something, but um, for me, agriculture tells the whole story. We're connected to what we eat and where we live and how we, you know, handle our livestock and things like that. Um, to me, agritourism, advocacy, all of those things play right into rural revival and how the two go together, whether it's farmer's markets or, you know, farm-to-table dinners or, you know, things like that where you can bring people together, gather people together, and tell our stories. That's, that's what gets me going. And now you get to bring that same concept yes. 
to the Territory Ballroom. Absolutely, yes. What excites you most about the future of rural America? Well, it's wide open right now. Um, my pastor says that uh, Sean and I are high octane. <laughs> we're a high octane couple. <laughs> Maybe we're a high protein couple with with our beef. Yeah, down. <laughs> both. <laughs> but, right. So, um, I, what that translates to, I think, is that we're risk takers, and um, if you're willing to take a little bit of a risk, that the possibilities are really endless. Um, what excites me most is that that dream, whatever that is, is still out there. Mm-hmm. You can still chase it down and, and grab that. Um, I never imagined this is what we would be <laughs> involved with, but, um, you know, we're on this scale uh, for sure, but I'm I've enjoyed every step of the process. I can't wait to get open. I can't wait to, you know, let people make it what they want it to be. Yeah. Was there one deciding factor? Because there's a lot of people listening out here who are like, Mm -hmm. I really want to do something like this. But there is risk involved. And so was there like a tipping point for you where you just, that made you kind of have that push to go for it? You know, um... I'm not sure that it was any one thing. Personally, for us, the timing was good. Uh, If there ever was a a good time (laughs) (laughs) to throw another iron in the fire. But um, the kids are old enough to be able to um, delegate some more things, rearrange some more things, have different kind of support. You know, we're out of the diapers. We're not trying to chase babies around. our other businesses were at a point where we could um, take a step and focus on this. And um, I think it was just a combination. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure there was any one thing. But I say go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Um, you know, we are also the kind of couple that say yes and then figure it out along the way. And that's worked for us so far. I think that is a big part of it, you know. Mm -hmm. What I love about what you're doing is that it's actually bigger than just your dream. Like, this is providing a space for other people to see their dreams come to life, too, whether that be a wedding or a a business. You have some office spaces, you know, conference rooms and co-working space. So tell us about that and First of all, you did a great job of seeing the opportunity for that here, and that was maybe a need that the community wasn't wasn't meeting. Tell us about that and why that was important to you. Again, I think that COVID really brought that home. Yeah. You know, so many people working from home, um, so many people afraid to or worried about it, you know, transitioning from having everything at the office to now having everything at home and now the laundry needs done or, you know, (laughs) dishes are piling up or, you know, whatever that is, um, I could resonate with that. Um, I came at it backwards. I was a stay-at-home mom and then, you know, merged into um, working on the side for my marketing um, aspect. And so I also had kids at home from the beginning doing school. 
And so it just, it really presented itself and it, it became clear that if this was going to become a new norm, if this was going to become something that people might grow to enjoy, they still need to get out of the house. We still need to have a place where you can, you know, have a client meet you and, and feel professional and not have to use your home address for, you know, so many different things or um, just still present that look that you're hoping for and have a little help behind. Um, you know, if you need a room set up, you need coffee in there and you need the TV ready to go for your Zoom call, then that's what I want to provide. And all you have to do is show up. In our conversations today, you all mentioned that everyone here is kind of a cheerleader for everyone else and that there it really is a community and it's not competition. Talk more about that. You know, we've really tried to think of ways to work together, I think, um, whether that is referrals or recommending, um, you know, this this girl does flowers, this girl can do your makeup, this one has cakes, um, so-and-so can cook for you, or here's a whole bunch of names, um, you know, to, to look for. I think, too, for me personally, it's been a matter of figuring out what I can do and what I want to do. Um, and, for example, I don't want to cook. <laughs> I don't want to be making any food for any event, but um, I sure want to try everybody else's. And so that to me, um, you know, I've talked about um, having the brewery beer on tap for the co-working members. I don't need to go reinvent the wheel. I want to bring in what's already available. Um, And I I think that the rest of the businesses in town feel the same way. Um, You know, Competition is, is good in, in certain markets. You need that as well. But in rural America, I think it's easy to oversaturate things too. And so, honestly, I think it boils down to just having good conversations and figuring out, okay, you're going to do that. Well, then I can do this, and we'll make it work together. Yeah, it's a great mentality. Well, besides the grand... Actually, I should have you tell us about the grand opening. (laughs) You have some big plans. I have some big plans, and hopefully they all come together. But tentatively, we are planning an open house for uh, May 7th in conjunction with the Kentucky Derby. I wanted to bring a little bit of myself into our, our first big event, and horses are definitely that ticket for me. Um, I also love the derby. Um, I love the big hats. I love dressing up. I love being, you know, goofy and silly and having just a lot of fun. And I wanted to combine that with, a, you know, f- really opening the doors and allowing the community to come in and see what we've done. Um, but also transition into this is your space. And so we had an open house a year ago. I think the beginning of April last year, and um, no lights, no electricity, (laughs) nothing, (laughs) you know, it was swept out, that was the basis of it, and so I can't wait for people to come and see the transformation, and then to follow it up with a good dance, so that's the plan, we'll see if everything goes together, the floors are the, the 
big question right now. We do have plenty of time scheduled for that, but if we can't walk on the floors, then we won't be able can't to dance. dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm told that that shouldn't be a problem. Okay. So. Okay. We're, we're believing with you. Good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, how do we follow along? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the Territory Ballroom. I also have website, theterritoryballroom.com, and you can call me directly. So it's pretty simple. Okay, so everybody listening, we all know what it's like to have that new business that's just starting. So go find Nikki in the Territory Ballroom and give them a follow. And I can't wait to see what you do with your grand opening. That sounds like so much fun. You all have to come. Yes, (laughs) I know. wear a big hat. (laughs) Well, you guys have made this such a cool destination. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I love how Nikki is creating an experience steeped in rich history in the heart of the Flint Hills. And her grand opening derby party and dance sounds amazing. Be sure to go check out the show notes and follow along as this all unfolds over the next few weeks. And if you live in the area, make sure to get to the party. All week long, we will be featuring stories of rural revival happening in Council Grove, Kansas. So head over to the blog or check out the show notes for more. Do you want to get people talking about what could be in your small town? Our new What Could Be Tour Kit has everything you need to take your community on a tour through your town's vacant buildings and show them what's possible. From building cleanup days to staged storefronts to engaging other local businesses, this tour is a great way to spark economic development in your community and shift the mindset from what used to be to what could be. And our tour kit shows you how to do all of this on a $0 budget with the help of volunteers and sponsors. Head over to our website for more information and to get your kit today. Huge thanks to Nikki for being on the podcast and thanks to you for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody.